0: Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform Podcast, sponsored by Ampliance and Flavia. You're listening to myself, James Gaird, and my co-host Paul Rogers. Uh, how's it going, buddy? Yeah,
1: good. How are you doing?
0: Uh yeah, yeah, all right. Nice day. Um looking forward to recording another it seems to come around so quickly, these recording of episodes. It's almost yeah. like it's more than one a week. Um, so uh, hello, welcome back to our regular listeners. Thanks for tuning in again and a warm welcome if you'll joining us for the first time. Please do subscribe. We drop a new episode every week and you'll get alerts on that and we would love you to like us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, etc. if you find this episode interesting. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about key considerations when switching to a market-leading SaaS e-commerce platform like Shopify or Big Commerce. So let me just Tee up what we're going to talk, the key elements, and then um, I guess uh, Paul can can uh, give a bit of clarity on how we're defining SaaS and what we're referring to today. So we're focusing predominantly on Shopify and Commerce as they're leading um, the market in terms of new acquisitions, but we know there are other SaaS platforms out there, Shopware, Elastic Path, etc. There's lots of different SaaS providers in the market. We're focused on where we're seeing most people switching to when they're coming off more legacy platforms. Um, we're going to look at how SaaS model differs to non-SaaS, um, and how the boundaries can also be blurred sometimes. For example, you know, big big vendors like Salesforce and Adobe, Hybris have their own cloud versions now and hosted. Um, key benefits of SaaS platforms and like no limitations or common frustrations. Um, so, does that you reckon that's a good enough setup, Paul?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think that summarises it well.
0: So. When you change e-commerce spender model, so we're talking about changing a model, not just changing a, a platform. So going from something like open source hosted to a cloud native, like multi-tenant SaaS, you're not just swapping out software. It's a slightly different way of working. And that's what we want people to understand the implications to be able to plan for them because no platform's perfect and learning how, what the compromises are is key. So Paul, can you like help people who aren't so au um, uh, fait with the, the terminology in the market? How are we defining SaaS and what are we referring to? What type of platforms are
1: yeah, absolutely. So I guess SaaS or software as a service, as you say, is much broader, um, and there are plenty of kind of SaaS vendors or kind of platforms with a SaaS core. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Shopify and Big Commerce. I think, as you said, these two are, have to be representing a pretty uh, a big proportion of the market at the moment. It feels like they're both winning a lot of kind of net new customers. Um, yeah, and then their approaches. Is quite different, both in terms of the platform itself, kind of the ecosystem and the way some of the other SaaS vendors around the platforms work, um, and then the agencies as well, which we'll go into.
0: Yeah, so let's focus first on what makes this type of platform different. So basically, software as a service, instead of like buying a license to get a piece of software that you need to install or you get a development agent to install for you, either on premise or through your own hosting, you are paying a license fee to have access to a software that's provided. Uh, you know cloud native and therefore the hosting and the application is all wrapped up into the license fee and i think this is a key starting point it's not apples for apples to so say if you had to compare hey you've got an existing like on-premise magento or you, you know you've got a uh, development partner who's hosting a version of magento for you it's not apples for apples because the license fee that you're getting from like a shopify big commerce is providing the hosting as well as the application and the software so important to understand that you can't just directly compare license fees you have to compare the licensing, the software provision, and the hosting, and the support, etc., and then do the comparison that way. Um, what else, um, Paul, from your experience, makes this type of platform different?
1: Well, I guess the big one is, all oh, like the one that we've listed here, that's definitely a very different approach to some of the other platforms in the market is the upgrade. So sometimes you will have upgrades with SaaS platforms or like forms of upgrades like the SFRA upgrade with Salesforce and everything else. But with big commerce and shopper, typically these like require minimal input or effort so shopify do the odd checkout upgrade but um, there's a significant time and cost saving here if you're comparing to like a magento for example where realistically you need to allow budget every year for pretty significant version upgrades um, and also more minor upgrades and you know some of the module upgrades etc etc like that's a big part of operating on a magento or some of the other kind of on-premise platforms um, so yes that's that's definitely one of the biggest ones um, and then I think similarly with things like security patches and you know any other kind of considerations around security at an application level and a, probably not fully but more so with some of the ways the apps work as well um, there's there's less you need to kind of think about invest in etc on that
0: side as well yeah, the, the big upgrades, major releases on the like legacy platforms, even if they are modernizing their tech stack and offering like SaaS versions, still catches people out. <coughs> and, and it really depends because one great advantage of an open source solution like Magento is how much you can customize it to your heart's content. The downside with that is if if the way that customization has been handled has not been thought through accurately, then the upgrade path to a major upgrade, like now 2.3 to 2.4, can really get people's pants pulled down. I've seen somebody have to swallow a 40 to 50k bill for the upgrade simply because of the, the, the way that their their installation has been built. Um, so yeah, it's a really, and this is why when cost models are compared, factoring in the upgrades on an annual basis helps you to understand the true cost of ownership. And the the other point we were talking about, maybe you can elaborate on this further, is that there are elements where um, legacy systems would require development to achieve functionality. There might not be an existing plugin. There might be a connector, but actually it requires an element of, of development to get that connector working for the client to get all the data's and streams connected. Whereas um, modern platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have built around an ecosystem and have a wider range of uh, plug-and-play apps, a lot of them single-click installs. Yeah, absolutely. And also you have
1: standardized sets of APIs as well that are kind of really well documented that supports anything that might end up requiring more custom development. Um, but yeah, in terms of the apps, so I guess like a good example that I was talking about this morning, so we talked about Harper earlier, which um, is concierge service. Um, and an ind- we were talking about the integrations with you know, the big commerces and the Shopify's and how they can essentially build apps and they could feasibly provide a really lightweight onboarding service and there's very little need for kind of technical team members to, you know, take on parts and like educate different people that are involved in that integration. Whereas if that was a magenta, you know, there's almost like a mini audit that needs to be done to understand how things have been built and you know and how you're using different parts of the platform. And and you know, same principle with sales force um you know things just take longer there's more room for error the cost is higher um so yeah i think that that app ecosystem is, is probably the biggest appeal i think for most people with these um sas platforms and obviously as you said there's definitely cons to some of this stuff as well and you know compromise as a result of the platform being a bit more rigid but um to me i think that's probably like one of the main things that draws people to shopify and big commerce
0: yeah, you're right. I mean, we're not trying to paint a you know, uh, you know a golden picture that these platforms solve every business problem and they're perfect for it. They aren't. Otherwise, everyone would be on them. And there are pros and cons, so it's really important to, to take decisions based on merit. Um, uh, and to add to that quickly, I think the other thing is uh, with you know a Magento
1: or a Salesforce, you're far less likely to come up against something that you physically can't do than you are with a potentially Shopify or Big comer, particularly around like checkout.
0: Um, yeah. So. Yeah yeah exactly and i i'm I'm a fan of of platforms for different reasons and I've seen some very good use cases in magento in with complex product configuration and also building out custom apps for for things like um production teams in jewelry production where they've got very specific data flows needed so it can work very well depending on the use case um The next thing that is different is having a relationship with the vendor now caveat this isn't you know this isn't always exclusive to BAS. There are some big um, vendors like Salesforce who have always, um, always since they bought out DeMalme, provided um, customer success managers as part of the overall package. But traditionally, the legacy um, platforms, um, you don't have uh, the same level of contact with the vendor so much. So let's talk that through what we mean um, and also whether that's a pro or a con because not everybody wants to have a relationship with a vendor. So um, what in your mind, what, what was the key difference here?
1: Yeah, so I think um, I think Salesforce is probably all the feedback I've ever had is that is one massive strength for them. Like they're actually kind of, you know, I think they do like QBRs and they do like strategic sessions to improve different areas of your e-comm channel. And I guess they are pretty heavily incentivized. As a oh, yeah, it's
0: a GMV um, percentage share license fee. So if they help you to to uh, you know, get 20% more growth for a new plan, then you'll end up paying more. We'll go over... Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, so it, it adds value, but there is a commercial incentive for them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's, um, you know, an area there, particularly strong. Shopify and Big Commerce, um, I think both of them have got live chat, which can be really useful. You know, there's been plenty of times late at night that I've been on live chat with Shopify trying to figure things out or get an update on an issue or something like that. Um, I think with both of them, you get quite a lot of support through the launch. Um, so you get some level of launch engineer. I know you were talking about the that you can also pay for professional services with big commerce um, to get support around kind of architecture and stuff like that and then with shopify you get a dedicated csm as well uh, which can be useful if you need it for certain things um, so yeah i don't think everyone uses that to the same level but it can be useful um, so yeah i think they're good examples
0: yeah exactly and this is for a few of the projects i've worked on where where we've selected big commerce the added value of being able to tactically bring in a uh, a solution engineer through the early phase of the project alongside the si to help make the right architectural decisions because as you said yeah, it's, a, it's a different model and these platforms don't necessarily um, have as much core native capability and you achieve a lot through third party extensions that can add complexity if you haven't thought through the right way to integrate it so sometimes that added level really adds value to the client and and for not you know not a massive amount of spending in the project sometimes five to ten k can get a better architectural setup which protects the client later on from additional costs um yeah uh, so let's move on to the next one uh, i guess a key one agencies operate slightly differently um, working on these platforms and people might be used to a very specific way of working with an agency and it can take some getting used to a different kind of you know i guess agency culture and approach to work so could you talk people through some of the ways in which you see agencies operating slightly differently
1: yeah, so I guess this doesn't apply to every agency because I know there's some agencies that you know have a similar approach across lots of different platforms, or they've maybe started life working with one of the more enterprise platforms and they maybe tend to be to have a broader offering. But I think typically, my experience with some of the agencies in the SaaS space is that they will focus primarily on. Design and build of the theme, um, maybe some level of solutions around the app, and then data migration. um, But they then don't typically take responsibility for the integrations. um, And they might be slightly, uh, they might not be quite as broad or as detailed in the discovery. But I do also think there's some benefit of this. So when I first started working a lot more with Shopify, um, it took me a long time to get used to this approach. But actually, I think. Quite often with Shopify, you end up with like a broken down, or you just end up with a team of specialists. So, like the integration side, you might select a middleware provider, and they might then add on some professional services um, to, you know, properly scope out an integration, and that's all they do. And then to properly build out the piece of middleware with all of the logic that can kind of, you know, help to optimize how your data is being passed around and make it easier to bring in different systems in the future, etc yeah and i think you know i there's been other projects where i've bought an external qa and i think um it might seem uh like a very different way of work but i actually think there's, a, there's quite a lot of pros to it and typically these agencies have maybe come more from a creative background than a you know software development background um and i think quite often it will result in the in the front end piece uh being stronger
0: as well yeah it's interesting because i'm with you on it there are there are pros and cons to it and i, I it come, for me, it comes down to the cultural fit. And I have a couple of clients where actually that hasn't fitted so well. They they find it hard to, to, to realise they're going to have to manage multiple third parties to get a project live. Their, their expectation is, I've got a, a project manager from an SI and, and that is it. And they will manage it all. So I, I think it, I think if people are, are not comfortable in line with that, you have to really educate them Um and I do think it, it changes. It seems to change a very bit between Shopify and big commerce. I think some of the big commerce agents I've worked with are much more technically led and are more in tune with doing more detailed discovery and controlling and managing. Even if they introduce a the third party, and I think you're right to pull up on that. Like you all are more likely to have additional third parties, whether you're. Directly managing that relationship or you're just paying for the service, but the the uh the work's being managed by your your primary development partner. Good, good, good example a couple of projects I worked on Big Commerce where the recommendation is to go down an integration layer, you know, whether that's a patchworks or something else, um, to simplify the data flows. Uh and that was managed by the agency rather than the client having to um, manage the, the, um, the, like, the solution design person from, from uh, the middleware company. Yeah. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. So you talked about the QA thing earlier. I think it'd be useful to elaborate on that to people. So your your experience is basically you still need to do QA, of course, because there are code releases and the code release can can take a site down, but not as much. What are the reasons why you you uh, why you don't need to pay as uh, for as much QA as you would do in a more like traditional legacy plan?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, I guess there's obviously less. you're testing so uh, the back end and kind of application side are standardized Um, so there's far less you need to test on that side Um, a lot of the third parties you're probably using have pretty standardized integrations that helps to reduce uh, the amount of testing and equally support on their side Um, and then you end up with more I guess you, you do the same level of integration testing. Um, you do the same level of front-end testing and then testing around data migration, but that's still quite a lot less than if you're actually having to test all of the kind of back-end functionality and everything else. Um, and then I think also just generally because there's usually less customization, it just requires maybe slightly less uh, testing um, in different areas.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's one of the the, the the kind of eureka moments people have is like, all right, okay, so I can actually spend more of what I'm used to putting into support maintenance budget, which involves like the the, the release testing and, and the project management. I have that more into like actually enhancement work. So I might still spend the same amount of money, but I'm getting more output for it basically rather than keeping the wheels running. Absolutely. Um, so let's do – we talked about, you know, high level of key differences – now let's, let's finish up by talking about key pros and cons. So from your point of view, the the key reasons that people move and what they enjoy about moving to to the likes of Shopify, big commerce, what have your clients said to you?
1: So yeah, so uh, yeah, let's start with the pros. So I guess the main thing is a lot of our clients are quite simple. They're simple businesses, they're fashion brands. They might have some complexity around some of the back-office stuff or multi-channel stuff, but that's typically handled outside of the SaaS platform form and I guess it just simplifies a lot of the operational side and allows their teams to focus on trading the site and delivering roadmap items and improving the brand experience etc or you know pushing crm or performance market and I guess that's the main feedback um but equally there is obviously um I don't know if I should talk about it now or late in fact cons is later I'll leave that I'll leave that as my pro <laughs>
0: yeah I think uh from from what I've seen um, with my clients, that, um, the main one is that people find the admin systems quite intuitive and easy to use. Like the design feels fresh, more in line with, with with some of the other third-party apps that they're using in, um, to achieve functionality, whether that's search and merchandising tools, CMSs, et cetera. So they like that, that it doesn't need a degree to figure out, or you don't need a web ops specialist to be able to you know deal with the back end. And that's been some of the limitations of platforms like what was Demandware and then became Salesforce. Is, functionally quite amazing but actually it's not always the simplest for a new user to come on board get into the the back end and know how to use it without training um yeah and the fewer bugs definitely um i think people get surprised it's like all right so i don't have to worry about that anymore i don't there's no support ticket for that it's just done especially with um uh things like um, the patches and fixes and not worrying about that um so that's uh, some of the pros but there are always cons or challenges, however you want to define it. So just semantics, Um, you know, things aren't always perfect. So what are some, what's some of the feedback you've had where people are surprised of, oh, OK, so it doesn't work like this. I'm going to have to put a bit more effort in here or I wasn't expecting this to be an issue.
1: I mean, there's some really obvious ones you know like I think looking at Shopify and BigCommerce specifically that kind of multi-store architecture they're still both working on that's a big one I think but realistically and we've already talked about it but the biggest one is they're rigid and there are things you physically can't do and that will happen and that might be the way that you integrate a vming tool or it might be you know the way that you integrate a subscription provider or if you want to do multi-shipment in the checkout whatever else like there are some things um that you're just going to have to compromise on and i think usually that compromise is like teased out in the discovery and it's just is compromise it's not like you know people manage it but um that is the thing like if you're a really complex business and you don't want to compromise on some of those areas that are harder to manage or um yeah require more customization and the platform might not actually be a good fit for you
0: yeah, I think the most important thing is understanding where where you can't do something natively or simply without having to extend. So whether you're using big Commerce's like open SaaS approach, where you build on top of like the APIs, or you build custom apps, same as Shopify private apps, or you build something uh, a front end like React app to achieve something. For some people, that's really disorientating because it's like, why doesn't the platform do it? Why do I have to have this? And and trying to get educate people that it's a different way of working but you achieve the same thing i think for me that the, the number one challenge and I've, i have i hammer this home so often is that people throw out and go yeah but shopify and big commerce are, 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 are cheaper than you know, pick a pick platform gento sales whatever it is because look you know our, our, our license fees are going to be x or our development is going to be 50k cheaper it's like yes that but that's not your total cost of ownership and sometimes they are significantly cheaper, but in some use cases where actually the level of complexity you want to achieve would require significant customization, or addition, there's some third-party apps that have chunky licence fees. So things like trying to get you know, advanced B2B, Shopify, um, depending on how far you want to go with, with, with multi-storefront and international um, or big commerce, et cetera, um, whether you need to start adding in things like PIMs, middlewares, Then the cost of ownership can be more than you think. And just one tangible example, I'm chatting to a client where they, basically, comparing Magento and Shopify. One of the they had a lot of complexity around filtered URLs for SEO, like PLP filters. How we control which of those filters create indexable URLs, which don't. That's something you can set up through logic in in Magento relatively easily. Yes, it's a a bit cost in the development phase, but that takes more effort to do that in in the likes of Shopify and commerce. So it's not to say you can't achieve it, but sometimes you might have to add some extra SEO costs. So you start adding two, three K here and there across you know four or five elements. You suddenly realize that you're adding a chunk of money. So the most important thing for me is people going in eyes open to this and looking at what the implications are and looking at what the cost is and just making a decision on merit.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing that with that example you just mentioned as well, some things don't scale as well. So in that example, you can feasibly do that with Shopify, for example. But I've seen people do that with Magento where they've actually, you know, built out different fields in different areas of the admin. So you can, like, inject custom metadata or inject content or, you know, like, change controls at different levels. Um, yeah. And I think uh, that is the thing. Like, some levels of complexity will be really tricky to manage from a backend perspective, especially.
0: Yeah, and it's, People often talk about agility with SaaS. So you're agile because you know you, all of the application upgrades are going on in the background. That's what you're paying for. It's quicker to to, to plug and play with apps and change things in and out. Um, they've got really good, effective APIs, um, etc. But then you've got flexibility, and the two are different but related. And a platform like Magento or other open source platforms like you know, Woo, for example. Um, or even the new composable ones, Elastics, um, commerce tools, they give you the greatest flexibility. And there's a trade-off between agility and flexibility. Um, And there's costs involved in it. And this is the joy. Um, The other one that that related to the third-party apps, and I have seen it, and this is not a criticism of the SaaS platforms, but it's an observation about how people use them, is I've found that some people... They make quicker decisions about which apps to use because it's so easy to just turn one on or do some basic configuration, and that that sometimes means they don't think through um, from a selection point of view which one's the best fit. And then they often have to go back and redo it later, take it out, put another one in, and that might mean loss of data or it might mean a bit of additional development work with the agency, and that's an opportunity cost. So I find that sometimes people make decisions quicker. So. That agility comes at a cost if you haven't thought through the decision properly. So again, it's not an issue of the platform, it's more about how people use the platform. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, I agree with that one. Um, anything else you found in terms of challenges um, or, 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 or you know delights that people have when making a switch?
1: um i don't think so i think um like we've said basically there's pros and cons i mean i'm i feel like my average clients probably ended up being quite suited to the sas um these two platforms in particular but i do also think you know i've worked with plenty of businesses and i know you've worked with some really complex businesses that probably aren't as well suited um so yeah it's that same thing we always end up at this point at the end of an episode where we end up saying the same thing which is like balancing and you know pulling out the business objectives and everything else um but yeah I think there's definitely some pros but as we've said there's definitely there are cons as well
0: yeah I, I think I think you're right the, the um the great thing about the the modern SaaS platforms is typically you can get quicker development times and the caveat as we've said is really complex businesses that's when these business cases become far harder because then you end up with a lot of sticky plaster and bolt-ons and integrate and that can that can take away that efficiency and add, add time and effort elsewhere but actually for, for more simple uh like brand direct to consumer you know um, only a few storefronts not an overly complex international setup a lot of these businesses the, the cost and speed of development to get live is far quicker and lower and you can I've seen projects where you can save 30 to 40 K and you could be live in, in three to four months versus maybe six to seven. So I think there is there is definitely for a certain type of business a, a speed and cost um, benefit that's undeniable in, in these platforms. Yeah, absolutely. So, excellent. Well so that's our whistle-stop tour of, um, of modern, modern SaaS and where we, what, what it is and why, why we see the pros and some of the challenges. We hope it's been useful. We'd love you to challenge us. Is there anything you don't agree with or, or really key points you think we've missed out? Let us know. We'd love to hear about them. Uh, we don't think we've got the monopoly on, uh, on right answers here. Uh, but thanks for listening. Keep an ear open for the next episode. As you say, they land every week. If you haven't subscribed, do so. You'll get alerts when new episodes drop. And we'd love a rating on Apple, Spotify or YouTube. Thanks very much. Take care. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.